When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana and you're listening to the Mall Over Codpast. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Mallover Podcast. The only rugby podcast gives you the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mallover Podcast, Mallover Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Pods and the Google Store and lots of other places. Uh, This week, funnily enough, two weeks in a row, we've got a full house. Ben, Doug and Phil are all here. How you doing, gents? Good. better. Yeah. So, first of all, Phil, um, you're injured. Like, less than two weeks before the Mallover Invitational, you are injured. And you got injured without playing a single minute of rugby. Is this correct? That is absolutely correct. But I was in my kit. So, it nearly counts as a rugby injury. So, no, I was... um, down with the with the Hornets down at Vior on Saturday, um, and we all know how much we love Vior on this podcast. Exactly, postage stamp pitch, shithole of a club, um, and uh, <laughs> for my for my customary away trip position on the bench, and um, was providing a bit of opposition for the line out in the warm up, and came down onto the props foot. And flipped my leg sideways and a full 90 degree lateral um, misplacement of my ankle has now led to me having a foot that's twice the size and a nice shade of purple. So I am going through the entire global ice supply and uh, popping pills like it's for fun. And your and your um, participation in the Mauler River Invitational is is what's your injury designation currently? Doubtful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is he day to day, Doug? Do you reckon? Day to day, mate. I'm frankly, I'm devastated because that's any hope of any turnovers gone. Yeah. Because none of us free fuckers are going to get any, are we? (laughs) Let's be let's um, be honest about it. Has Mrs. Farm Vet got any vet wrap at home? Oh yeah, trust me. There's heavier stuff than vet wrap being used, but yeah, <laughs> I will. I will yeah. be taking a full a full equine vet's car's worth of bandage material with me. Yeah, that's the that's but the good stuff for an ankle injury. If I can if I can strap it up, I'm hoping that if I can get the swelling down and strap it up to the point where my ankle doesn't actually move, that I might be able to to be on the pitch. 
Well, if not, there is a uh, there's a lovely spot in in management for you, Phil. We're going to yeah. need some touchline coordination. I'm pretty certain of it. Um, judging by all these players that seem to be turning up, which is really really exciting. Um, I'm I can't wait for for the game. Um, it seems like it was ages ago when we first started talking about it and they were like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be ages away. We won't, won't even bother thinking about it. And now it's next week. And it was all, I woke up in a bit of a cold sweat last night thinking about loads of stuff that I've, I should have done or need to do um, specifically for this game, which is a bit weird. So, uh, but we're all good. We've got a bar, we've got some food, we've got players, we've got opposition we just need a kit, which is on its way, and we are all good. And I'm very, very much looking forward to it. So uh, I hope you boys are too. Um, I've set up a just giving page. So for those of you that want to support Rugby Against Cancer and that are fans of the podcast or listen to the podcast and don't, uh, I won't be able to make it down to to the match, but want to to contribute or show some support. You know, any uh, any amount is gratefully received. We have got a Just Giving link that we've set up for the match. So please um, go and donate on there. It'll be on all of the uh, the social media feeds. So go and go and check that out. Um, and you never know, there may be even some uh, some jerseys left over come the end, if not everybody buys them. And, uh, you know, we can sell them off to you guys as well. So um, that's where we are at the moment. I caught up with uh paul archer earlier today from nexus who has kindly sponsored the jerseys for us um and we had a bit of a chat about what uh what rugby is for him what what sports and stuff he's involved in and uh and how he come about sponsoring them all over invitational so let's uh let's go and hear from paul So I am joined by Paul Archer, who's one of the directors of are you director of Nexus, managing so director, managing director, well, joint managing director. Yeah. So, so me and my business partner, Alex Phillips, are, are joint owners, managing directors. Yeah. Lovely. And Paul and Nexus have kindly agreed to be our main sponsor, shirt sponsor for the Mallover Invitational, which is amazing, which is going to help us raise loads of money for rugby against cancer. So first of all, thanks very much for getting on board, mate. It's very much appreciated. Absolute uh, pleasure. Uh, let's just go back a little bit because me and you go back quite <laughs> a way. Um, when I first joined the RAF Paul was one of the first people I ever met when I got to RAF St Morgan and oh, I remember yeah. walking in yeah I was 17 years old <laughs> 17 years old walking into the Naffy bar at St Morgan which like was the quietest smallest place in the world nobody ever went in there and, <laughs> and he took me under his wing and, and I remember the next day going into the into the, the mess hall and a load of the regiment lads go, oh, Archie, found yourself a new pet, have you? <laughs> and I literally, I will remember that for the to the, to the day I die. And, and from there, we had plenty of fun times. We played a bit of rugby. We had a bit of fun. Uh, we got pissed a lot. Um, <laughs> but that was military days. So, you know, early, sort of late 91, late 99, early 2000, that was. And... Uh, here we are, 21 years later, both in very different situations, um, back together. Unbelievable. I, I, 
I can't remember doing that or uh, or the morning after with the uh, the 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 what were they called the um, the Rockets one squadron Rockets, Rockets. Yeah, yeah one squadron who were if I was to go back now would be quite intimidating but back then they were chip on our shoulders like that yeah, yeah. Right, lads yeah yeah absolutely it was it was great fun as I say we played together for Aris at Morgan a few times. Spent a few nights out in in Newquay, you know, supplementing the uh, the local establishments, and it was it was all good. It was all good fun. And now you're a joint managing director of a, a big business that does that's involved in quite a lot of sport type stuff as well, aren't you, Nexus? So can you tell us a little bit more about what you what you're involved in. Yeah, so so we're in a, a I suppose a fortunate or, or privileged position to. Um, to be involved in, in quite a lot of high-level sports and, and and sponsorship and and charities, so I, I see a big um, the reason why I do it or why Nexus do it. There's a big similarity between high-performance elite sportsmen and, and, and business. So we like to be associated with with elite sports people, which is why we sponsored the uh, the Mallover Invitational uh, Rugby match oh. for a, a, a fantastic cause, Rugby Against Cancer. So. Um, no sport is 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 too big or too small. So um, six seven months ago, we did a charity football match at Ashton Gate, the home of Bristol City, which which Nexus also sponsor. We're one of two elite sponsors for Bristol City, where we raise money for um, the Children's Hospice Southwest. So it's an absolute pleasure and privilege to uh, be involved in such a great great charity to raise some money for for rugby against cancer. And I suppose the, the icing on top of the cake for us is to. Uh, to, to meet some old cronies from, from the RF St. Morgan days and uh, put the cement boots on and, and come out and have a run out and embarrass myself for five or six minutes. Absolutely. Well, you know, I've, I've put some feelers out. I know there's some, um, you know, this won't mean anything to anybody listening to this podcast, but um, Jace Matia is knocking about. Is he really? You remember oh, Jace? I do, um, yeah. There'll be a few, hopefully there'll be a few, recognizable faces for you from the old St. Morgan days that, that we can drag out. I've put some feelers out over the last day or so to, uh, to see what we can come up with. It'll be great to get you grace in the field. And then more importantly, having a good old catch up afterwards, as I say, like Paul and, and Nexus have been kind enough to sponsor our playing kit for the all over invitational. Uh, and with those shirts, what we plan to do is sell them off afterwards as part of a the match, sort of a match fee, and, and sell them to the players um, for you know for a nominal fee. And every shirt then, and every every penny that that, that goes into that will will go directly to rugby against cancer. So if we can raise a few quid for them, um, that will be fantastic. We can have a great time as well and get back to some proper old school rugby values, which I think over the recent period has been, has been lost. And, you know, like with the COVID situation and people not being able to enjoy themselves too much, we can have a real good drink up and a bit of a sing song. And I know the opposition are well on board as well. So uh, it should be a really, really good afternoon um, down at Nuki Sports Centre. So, and what's more important is you're going to play. I'm, I'm so glad you're going to strap some boots on, mate. I've got some kit for you. I've got some shorts and socks. Have you got some boots or do we need I've to got, get boots as well? I've, no, I've got, I've, I've got some boots. I bought some boots for uh, the, the charity football match, which um, I must say I, I got man of the match as well at Ashton Gate. And we had lots of ex-professional, um, ex-Bristol City uh, legends playing as well. And 
it wasn't a fix because it was my charity event. It was a genuine <laughs> man of the match, man of the match performance. So I don't think I'm going to get man of the match uh, at, at the the, uh, the the rugby match, but I'll, I'll definitely uh, definitely make an effort. I would like to play at least five minutes at my old uh, position of. Uh, can you remember where I used oh, to play? Well, I was just about to ask if you're still <laughs> going to be a dynamic ball hungry seven. <laughs> I think I will be for about the grand total of five minutes and I might drop back to a outside centre, I think. We'll chat you, chat you in the centres. That's fine, mate. You can you can play wherever you want. And what we hope is everybody gets some decent game time. Everybody knows what it's all about. So, you know, there's going to be no um, hell for leather whippets out there, hopefully, that are, going to, that are going to be running around people and smashing people. It's just going to be a good... Hard contested rugby match, I hope, with some like-minded people that we. You're can... not touch then. It's not going to be too hard contested, is it? It's not going to be. Oh, too <laughs> oh it's not. I don't know about that, mate. I played the other week against a touring side for the first time in about five years, and they were all pissed, but they were all <laughs> twenty to twenty-five, and they were fit as. Where, you, where are you playing these? I played at 10, 10 and twelve. That magical left boot still going. Oh, the it? wand, the wand, mate, is still around. <laughs> it's still, it's still absolutely, absolutely there. Um, well, before before I let you go, um, I know you spend a bit of time with some some rugby players as well, and uh, I recently saw some photographs of you sat on a beautiful train with uh, with Francois Lowe. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, so so again, going back to the, the connection of high performance sport and, and and business, fortunate enough that um, being in contact and um, with Victor Bugu, so went on the, uh, the the famous British Pullman train with for a British Lions uh, preview. So um, met Francois Lowe a few times. What a top top bloke! Spend time with a rugby uh, World Cup winner is, is is pretty awesome, and hear the stories. Um, Craig Chalmers, Colin Charvis. So, so hopefully we'll get a bit of support from the boys and some, some, some videos and stuff we can promote. And um, I think there'll be a Just Giving page coming out as well. So a, a, even if it's 50p to, to 50 quid, whatever you can spare, it's a great cause. Rugby against cancer. Let's, let's put our, our pockets or our hands in pockets, not our pockets in hands, and hands, and just donate what we can. So I think we'll get that out, Russ, um, to, to, to socials and what have you and share that and just, just do what we can. And we'll, we'll have some good backing, good support. Um, and yeah, as I said, it's great, and I'm proud that Nexus can can support such such good cause. Yeah, there are lots of people that are um, that can't make it next weekend, but I know that would love to support. So we'll get that just giving page and stuff shared out uh, as soon as possible in, in good time, so that we can um, we can make sure that the rugby against cancer gets gets plenty of money. And, and we do what we can, you know, it's great for us to get together. It's great for us to have a rugby match and it's great for us to be able to do that all while raising a few quid for, for an amazing charity. So like, mate, it's absolutely amazing that, that you've thrown your support behind this. I couldn't thank you enough. Um, and it'll be great to see you next weekend. We can have a catch up and uh, we can chuck a ball about for a bit and then have a beer. So, Amen, uh, brother. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me, mate. And I will speak to you very soon, or if I'll see you next weekend. <laughs> right. There we go. That is, uh, that's Paul, the, one of the managing directors of directors, directors of the Nexus group. Um, and they do, as he said, sponsors Bristol city, 
he's been fortunate enough to spend some time with Francois Lowe. Um, he's hopefully going to get us some uh, some nice videos from uh, Craig Chalmers and Colin Jarvis and stuff like that. So fingers crossed. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing Paul next Saturday at the uh, Invitational. Um, Francois Lowe could probably make up for Phil's turnovers. Yeah, I mean, imagine. Imagine probably. the scenes if Francois Lowe turned up. <laughs> so no still seconds yeah. and we get probably Francois probably Lowe. Up moment, yeah. I mean, you've got a bit of a Francois Lowe look about you. Like, if, if Francois Lowe had a mini-me, Doug, you could... I'll, I mean, I'll take that. Gladly. <laughs> you got a bit of a Francois Lowe look about you. I'm just looking at your face now. You're like, such an odd man, Russ. Don't, I don't like it. If, yeah, if you could put on a, um, a South Africa jersey and get some pictures from behind, we could put some spoilers out on the, on the internet and build up a bit of attention. Oh, it'll be fun. It's going to be fun, whatever happens. An, an extra large South African kids jersey on you. Look just like Francois Lowe. <laughs> I mean, it's taken no, a weird... I don't know what to do anymore with this information. It's taken a real, uh, a real turn, isn't it? Um, right. Let's, let's talk about some Premiership rugby, shall we? Um, week two of the Premiership. Some, well, you can't even call them surprising results because... You know, I think we all kind of predicted most of it. Um, the most, one of the most interesting ones, uh, Friday night, Leicester versus, uh, or Gloucester versus Leicester, should I say. Um, Leicester, Ben, are looking very good. In the first, in the first two matches that I've, that I've seen, I watched the highlights of the Exeter game, and then I watched 90% of this game against Gloucester. Apart from a few, what I would call game management issues maybe towards the end Leicester look like they're in a very very promising place yeah they somehow let Gloucester get pretty close to them despite being by far the best team on the night um but yeah they're a good side now they've kind of got their forward pack back it's it's obviously not like the uh classic Leicester packs quite yet but it's it's more competitive than it's been for a long time um, Martin's playing well, isn't he? And um, the front row, well, two of them scored. And I actually think Dan Cole's playing really well at the moment. You see him He's around doing the his job, as isn't much he? as anyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and and we've said, I think we said last week, once they get, you know, parity or on top in the scrum, uh, in the well, just in the forwards in general, then forward is lethal, picking out runners. Um Nadolo is just a weapon, isn't he, when he's playing well? I mean, you can definitely turn him, but, you know, give him the ball in hand and he's, he's lethal. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, like you say, they're a good side now. Um, I'm going to try and do this without making a pun on his name, but Harry Potter played really well in that game. You know, that, that finish was outstanding. I think he's been really good. Um, in the last couple of matches. Um, I think I said enough about Stewart last week, but again, he's he's just completely rock solid under under the high ball, which is giving confidence to those around him. And um, they seem like a team with a plan and they seem uh, 
much more coherent than some of the other teams. They look confident. Seen. They look confident, don't they? There was a couple of times. I think. I mean, there was a period. There was a passage of play. They turned Gloucester over. Um, it was. It was when Genge scored. Just before when Genge scored, and they they turned over a line out on their own twenty-two, and they saw some saw some space, and they and they ran it from really deep. Yeah, and the Dolo sort of chipped and chased forward. Led to the the yellow card for Moyle. They went through a couple of phases, and then Genge went in in the corner, didn't he? And it it was that it was that type of demonstration of of turning defence into attack that we've not seen from Leicester for quite some time. They've they've struck me as a team that's whether that's personnel or whether that's lacking ambition. They struck me as a bit of a team that that's tended to just be really try and be really safe as to not make mistakes. Whereas at the moment, they look like they're high energy. They look like they're confident. Yeah, um, I think that was the move, wasn't it? Where um, they just saw it really early. Um, you know, someone picked a long pass to Ford and Ford picked another long pass. And that's what set uh, Nadolo away. And that that was playing heads up, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 You mentioned, you mentioned Stewart. Obviously he, he offers such a presence in that backfield. He's so commanding under the high ball that it, I haven't seen a fullback. It's specifically an English fullback, even, even pre, um, pre Mike Brown that commands the ball so much when he's coming to get it and it gives it gives so much confidence and assurance to the players around him that he's everyone's going to get out of the way everyone's getting out of the way all the Leicester players are just they know he's coming for it so they they're just leaving it for him I mean I think the nearest um in terms of under the high ball I can think of would be uh sort of prime Rob Carney you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Matt Perry. Yeah, I can get that. Tall, rangy, commander under the high ball. He he kind of glides when he's running as well. He kind of he kind of glides across the pitch. It's almost effortless. You know, you yeah. don't think he's at, he's actually sprinting. But when and when he's... when Matt Perry was at his best. That's how he used to look. When when he goes for those high balls, he almost looks like a foot taller than everybody else around him. He goes in with that much that much confidence and that much um, determination that, as you say, you, I don't think I've seen him drop one. Um, it, and I I was struggling to think of somebody. There there have been kind of classy fullbacks who will. Um, you'll trust them to catch every ball that comes near them, but they've done it through, through kind of skill and timing, but they don't dominate the space in the way that he does. I, I'm struggling to think of anybody who dominates the space like that. No. And he, like he is, he, he, he dropped one, maybe two. I think there were two, pressure. but they were ones, they yeah. were almost ones that a lot of others wouldn't have got to. That That's the point, but I don't, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered about him dropping high balls that he is 
trying to command a situation. What I yeah. don't like from they were both, is um, when they're tent- it's when they're tentative and nervous yeah. and you just don't ever think they're going to catch the ball. Every ball he goes for, you think he's going to catch it. And, so, and, you know, he as a human being, sometimes he's just not going to do it. But more often than not, he will. And more often than not, the very presence that he offers will put chases off it will it will make people think twice because they are they know how confident he is in coming to get it and that's the difference you watch Elliot Elliot Daly for instance and I only use that as a, a, a an English example um when he was challenging high balls in an, in an England 15 shirt you just never really had any confidence that he had any confidence in himself whereas you watch Stewart do it and he know he backs himself to get and catch every single ball that comes his way. He's he, yeah, he's a, he's a hundred percent natural at fullback, which Daly never was, and yeah. it's not particularly Daly's fault. Um, I I mean, the only player I can think of that did dominate the air like that is, um, and he doesn't remind me of him with the rest of his play, but just under a high ball is. Um, Oh, everyone's favourite homophobe, the Australian. Oh, Falau. Is he, is he? Falau, yeah. Um, he, he was one that would dominate in the air. And I think, you know, safety, he's, he's similar. But, um, yeah, I think Stewart, I, I said last week, he's going to get a boatload of England caps. He's not, he's perhaps not the quickest. And, you know, you can, um, you know, you can, have all these sort of tactical dreams of having two playmakers and, um, you know, attacking from deep every time. But I think the, the benefits of, of the security it gives your wingers and your fly half when he's kicking um, and the forwards, you know, forwards love a secure fullback because it means they're not chasing back for scrums every two minutes because they've dropped the ball. Um, so I think, you know, he's got a massive future with England. Yeah, agreed. The other the other couple of people that I was impressed with on Friday um, is the young uh, centre, well, specifically the young centre, Dan Kelly, who looks really good. And he came into the team sort of middle of last season and a little bit of an unknown quantity, but he looks like a really, really good young player and someone that, that they can really sort of build a midfield around. And then you mentioned the likes of Potter, Stewart, you know, Nadolo is a little bit older, you know, all being pulled to strings by Ben Youngs and and Freddie Burns when when they, you know, when when Ford is unavailable or they look to rotate. That Leicester look like they are like you mentioned it, Ben. They've got a plan and a purpose, and they look like they know what they're trying to do. Which is we- something you can't really say of Gloucester because you know they were playing Morgan at second row last week, they've moved him back to eight. Um you know, it just doesn't seem that there's a lot of, you know, they seem to be fighting fires more than, than anything. Yeah. Doug. What? You were going to come in then? No, no, no it was me. Um, all right, I was say, sorry. We, I was going to say, can we read anything into the fact that Leicester didn't clear their bench like every other club seems to do? They left three of their players on the bench. They left Burns on the bench and then didn't change two of the front row. Does that mean they don't have the faith in the bench or does that mean 
why change it if it's working? But then Gloucester were, were kind of coming back at them towards the end. Do you not think that a lot of substitutions in the Are Premiership formulaic. is all very formulaic? It's right. Yeah. We are going to sub our tight end and our hooker. 60. On, yeah, on 55 or 60. This is what we're going to do. Regardless of how the game's going, this is <laughs> this is what we're going to do. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's it's Borthwick saying, well, actually, we don't know. Why do we need to do that? Like, we're playing on a Friday night. We've got an extended period because we won't be playing till the next Saturday or whatever, or the next Sunday, maybe even. So we don't, don't really need to. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, it's not like they're playing Cornwall Devon and you take three subs and people have given up their day to be there. They're professional sportsmen and if they don't get on the pitch, they'll have to get over it. Um, I just, it, it's just so different from the norm at the moment. And I don't know, does, does that mean that he's got concerns about how Freddie Burns is settling into this side? I don't know. Or, or is it just, as you say, things are working, why change it? You've only got George Ford for probably two thirds of the season. Let's maybe, take maybe, yeah, maybe it's here. a case of, maybe it's a case of just, we'll play George. When we've got George Ford, we're going to play George Ford. Why wouldn't you? Um, the, the front row is, is an interesting one, um, but maybe, you know, you say they, they, they weren't being particularly stung up front or in the set piece. So that's usually where your fresh props tend to, tend to age you. And, you see a lot when when one team starts to get a little bit the upper hand in the scrum and start conceding a few penalties, that's when coaches tend to panic as well, isn't it? So it's one of those, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it type of scenarios. Yeah. But on the the Gloucester point, I said it last week, Gloucester to me looks like a club that is just being really poorly run at the moment. Um, And... Even when they cut to the coaches in the in the in their boxes, they don't really look like they've there's much cohesion between the coaches or there's much of a plan. They they all look confused. It's a strange. Yeah, I, one, isn't I it? think there's a lot. There's a little bit of the baths going on there, isn't it? Where it's a lot of uh, coach speak and and motivational sayings, but not actually a lot of do. They, I've seen them um, both games this season now, and and. They they just look off the pace. Like I'm not sure what's happened to Johnny May. I, I with the with the wingers, the back three that they've got should be threatening all the time. But I I just don't think with the man in charge that they've got there, I don't I don't think that they're ever going to be priority number one. It seems like they want to build around being big and aggressive and hard, and they seem to value the more more than they do the quite clearly excellent back line that they've got. There isn't, is a shame, lot that, really. there isn't a lot that tends to get outside of 12 trees and Atkinson. It's no those weapons and it, it doesn't, you know, and Mark Atkinson has been a really good player for Gloucester and, you know, to get into that England training squad or, you know, whatever, whatever his purpose is in, in, in that squad. Um, it's, it's difficult when you've got Johnny May and Ollie Thorley, you want those guys to be on the ball. As much as as much as humanly possible, and you know, Thorley played with, um, or oh, who else was on the wing? Uh, Seabrook on um, 
on Friday night, and they barely they barely got any ball. And and Kyle Moyle, well, you know, he was at Cornish Pirates a couple of years ago, and it's not a slight on the Pirates or or Championship rugby as a whole, but you know what what happened to um, Jason Woodward? Like, anybody know where he went? Is he still injured? I I don't know. There seems to be a lot of players that just seem to disappear without much much um, fanfare, isn't it? They, they just seem well, to go, and that's well, it. When we were discussing them last week, I, I spent a bit of time afterwards looking at their squad on the website, and they look incredibly thin on the ground. Um, where you go to other squads, and you've got kind of well at least three players for every position, and and a hell of a lot of depth there. And Gloucester look like they've got a squad of about 22. Um, and yeah, it, I think it's it's inherent. Well, we've been talking about them being crap for a couple of years, really, haven't we? Probably three years. Yeah. I, I found out, well, sorry, wrong no, team. You, no, you go. No, no, wrong team. Wrong team. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we were talking. In league about Worcester's fly half Finn Smith, weren't we? That ended the season playing pretty much every game. He's, I found out this week he's playing for Amptill. So, oh wow, I'm not, I'm not sure there's um, the, the problem is with these fringe players, they seem to go, it's almost like minor league baseball, they can go and you're like, oh, I'm not sure he played for them a couple of years ago and, and now he's somewhere else, you know. And I feel like there's a lot of those Gloucester players that, that could quite easily fit into that bracket. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You just got to go through that, through the squad. Like, um, definitely Moyle and Seabrook. Um, Stephen Varney is another one. Ford Robinson. They could just sort of... Yeah, he's another one that seems like his online persona seems to be uh, bigger than his actual... Playing ability, yeah, yeah, I hear that. Can we can we talk a little bit about Adam Hastings looking like he'd been chained to a radiator in Beirut for the, <laughs> for the last eighteen months? <laughs> Literally, right? I thought I used to think he was he was quite a never stocky, but like quite well built and rangy. Now he he looked really thin. I don't know if anybody else picked up on that. He looked really, yeah, really slight. Uh, I, I agree with that. I, f- I felt like he, he just seemed, I don't know, little. Yeah, or just lightweight, like it yeah, almost like he really, won a competition. Really it was really, really bizarre. bizarre. He looked, he looked like he was, he was more built like a fifteen hundred meter runner than a, what? than a sprinter. Like in, in that sort of analogy where. You'd expect a rugby player to be more like a sprinter, a, a, a more muscular, more you know, more athletic, as opposed to being well. It's quite. Well, acor- according to Wikipedia, he's exactly the same size as me. You don't what? look it. No, not no. bare ankles. Because you're massive, Phil. Uh, yeah, I'm fat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're like a man mountain. I mean, that old adage of the muscle weighs more than fat. Is that, is that one of those things? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's who went to my school. There you go. 
Um, right, let, let's move on from, from Gloucester Leicester. Um, Doug, you were at the Stoop, I guess, on Saturday for yeah. um, Sarah Cox's. Is it Sarah Cox or Sarah Cox? I mean, it's spelt Sarah, but we'll call her Sarah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, um, do what you want, Russ. Do what you want. <laughs> uh, for her Premiership rugby refereeing debut. Um, Quinn's on the winning trail against Worcester. What what did you make of the game? You were in the in the in the big D chair, were you? Big Dougie uh, the yep, Dougie was, the D. Um, I was the man in charge talking to Stu, the the uh, TMO. So I feel like I vicariously met Sarah Cox that day, but I didn't. Um weird game. Really weird game. Quinn's look I mean I, I guess not weird if you've watched Quinns for the last, I don't know how long, but um, just just never seemed to settle down. There, there, there were two teams that Worcester looked dead and buried and then out of nowhere came out and just, just, um, just sort of stepped up their game and took it right to the wire. And I don't know. They... I don't think what Quinns did could ever really be repeated. You know, they they hit such a vein of form at such a perfect moment that for that to happen again would be really weird. Um, and because of that, I can't tell if Worcester are decent and Harlequins aren't as great as we thought they were or if Worcester have got markedly better because I, I don't think they played amazing rugby. I mean, they gave away a shit ton of penalties, like a shit ton of penalties, and um, you you couldn't. I mean, what I would say is Ollie Lawrence's line for his try in the, at the start of the second half was pretty much the perfect line you want from from a player like him, just coming off round the corner really quick on the ball on with pace and just was unstoppable from there. Um. But yeah, two teams that I can't really make my mind up about. Are Harlequins really good or are Worcester pretty average? Harlequins, that, that whole Harlequin story looking back has got a real Leicester City vibe about it, hasn't it? Do you think? Like that that yeah. perfect storm of circumstance, you know, style. They've they've rode the crest of that wave and they and they got everything they deserved, you know. They can't take anything away from from what they achieved. But they were it felt like they were only ever one defeat from it all crashing down around them yeah. because because if they had a i mean it it's easy to say if they'd lost in the semi final obviously they couldn't have got to the final but you know what i mean like on that run as they got towards the semi final as they made that that late push like they they one one of those defeats or one of those defeats or one of those performances. There was a game, was it Bath, Ben, where they came back and they scored a, a last minute. I think they scored a last gasp try in the last minute or the last like the last play of the game at the wreck. And I, what I remember about them when they played Bath towards the end of the last season was that although their attack was brilliant, their defense was horrible. Yeah. And you know, Bath carved them up almost at will um but um Bath's sort of 
tissue paper front row just let them down um, as it did a lot of times last season. And, you know, with my huge powers of prediction, I, I said Quinns will have to defend a lot better than that if they're going to win any more games this season. And then they won every <laughs> game for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, I think what you said about um, Leicester City vibes, there is a bit of that about them. Um, I think they've got more chance of building on it than Leicester City did because they've got, you know, solid front row, solid uh, eight, and then you've got Smith and a really good back three, and they've got the big centre, um, Esterhausen, who, you know, gives them a bit of a um, focal point at 12 as well. He was really um, quiet, though, in this game, Ben. I don't know. You said you didn't see it, right? No, I haven't seen it, no. You've got no excuse. They've all been on the Premiership website for the whole weekend and today, so... Right. <laughs> put, put a bit of back into it, mate. Sorry, man. The, the one um, thing, though, that you've got to remember, and it might be why Esther Housen was quiet, is they spent all of last season with Marcus Smith at 10. Pretty much without fail, played every game at 10, and he, he's not there at the moment. Um, and I think he is probably that much better than Tommy Allen that he will make that back line click oh. considerably better. That's not to say that they're eschewing to win or anything like that. I suppose the bigger point is these first, however many games it is, three or four games, it's, it's a bit hard to, to fully judge things. Worcester are missing no one, I don't think, because of the Lions. Yeah, Other and, than and the yes, winger. Oh, do I? Well, yeah, I've had the Verva. Um, and uh, Harlequins are missing Smith, who is who is absolutely key for them. And yet but they need still... to, they need, but they need to get used to that, mate, because Marcus well, yeah. Smith's going to spend a lot of time with England. And what I worry, I, I mean, does Tomasi Allen still plays for Italy, doesn't he? He does, yeah. So, so, so but... when the Six Nations comes around, they're going to be without both Smith and Allen. And the autumn internationals as well. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess. Well, Italy and, uh, autumn internationals as well, didn't they? So. Yeah. So we, we've potentially got a situation there where Quinns are looking at their third choice fly half for, oh, I don't know what it ends up being, a considerable chunk, what, 20, 25% of the season? Um, and yeah, it's it's going to mess things up a little bit. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, Oh, Phil's turned into a robot. I, I think what is he coming back? I don't know. Let's let's carry on. Right, the whole Leicester City side. Oh. Uh, getting into that top four. Sh- Mate, we lost all of that. Sorry, you- sorry. I was saying that with compared to the Leicester City thing, we lose it. We're losing this as well, Phil. I think the Premier. Ships a bit well, different in the than the Premier League in that you can get into that top four. I mean, this is this is class, top class, internet based podcasting. <laughs> I love that. Did, did you mute? Did you mute him, Doug? No, did he mute himself? Anyway, um, sorry, Phil. We'll 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 bring you back in in a minute when when you've sorted out your connection issues. Um, I think Phil started on. A, a point about the early part of the season. And one thing I've noticed is every team at the moment looks significantly more workmanlike than they did last season. 
the the I know it's largely I, I would say because of the Lions not playing at the moment. Um, but you know, if you if you look through a lot of these teams, there's what you would call sort of squad players in starting at the moment. Um, you know, and I think it's mostly to do with the Lions. But I, I think when we went through the signings a few weeks ago, it it wasn't the most inspiring list for almost any team, was it? The only and, one it really was for was Saracens, which was their own players yeah. coming back. And and it and it does, you know, no matter how many you think about it, it's going to boil down to the fact that no one's going to go down at the end of this season either. So they're, they're all going to be, they're all going to try and be competitive for eight to 10 games and see where they are. And then there'll be teams that go, well, right, well, are probably not even going to make, might not even make the top eight for the Champions Cup next season. So, you know, let's just mail it in and see what happens yeah. i mean um, even bristol for their sort of reputation as a sort of um all-star team without Redrada in there they it's not the most over exciting what, what's 15 is it i think he's just uh it wasn't it something to do with covid He's, he's quarantined coming back from Fiji or something like that. Oh, isn't he stuck in Fiji? He couldn't get out off of the island or something. I think he was he's over there. I don't I don't think he can get back. Um, but I mean, just looking at that Bristol side, let, let's move. We'll move. We'll move on to to Bristol versus Quinns. And uh, it, obviously, it wasn't um, wasn't live. And we've all had the opportunity on the Premiership Rugby website to watch full game, but review, haven't. But haven't. Lazy. Um, what I will say is the that Bristol side that they put out is about as close to full strength as, as it could be without Radrandra. You know, you're and then, Lloyd playing on the wing, Adi Alokan, all right. Then they had Leoa and... O'Connor, O'Connor, Pietau at fullback, Sheedy, Yuren, then they've got Faka, Lahif, and um, Jan Thomas, Dan, Dan Thomas, Vui, Hughes, Atwood, and Luatua. Like that, that's that's that team was beating teams out of sight last season. Yeah, I'm, I'm not by any means saying they're a bunch of time wasters. I mean, it's still a very good team. But, you know, at one stage we were talking, you know, about Bristol, like, you know, the, like wasps of the mid-2000s, you know, star names everywhere. But, you know, with, with due respect, that, that front row is basically cast-offs from other teams. Um, you know, I, I think Atwood and Vui are both really good players and it's a good back row. Um, but even, even the back line, you know, you've, you've taken Malins out of it not really replaced him. Um, you know, you can't really replace Rajada, but he's out at the moment. And it, it, it it's almost, you know, brought their bat line back to very similar to what a lot, a lot of other sides in the league have, have, have got. I mean, if you, if you line it up against um, Wasps, you know, I'm looking at it now, there's probably less star power in the Bristol um back line and then there is in in the wasps one or, or it's very close anyway i mean um, you would say it's very close when you look at the wasp back line which started with robson um umaga 
what would have been um, Le Bourgeois, Bassett, Watson. You got Fekitoa. Yeah. Crossdale. So, you know, it's just, I think, at the moment, until everyone gets their star names back, they're going to, the results are going to um, seesaw a little bit because the teams are very evenly matched. That's one thing I will say. They, a, a lot of the teams do look very evenly matched. I mean, if you look at the the teams that lined up for Exeter against Northampton, for instance, you know, that was a really young, Northampton had a really young back line. Like their back line was Grayson, uh, Dingwall, Furbank, Collins, Proctor, Slight Home. That's, I mean, that's about as, as, I mean, they've all got decent premiership experience now, but it's about as young as it gets on average, isn't it, surely? Yeah, if, but um, this, this is the back line that Northampton been building for two years. This is, this is kind of it all coming to fruition for them. Um, and like, I'm not, not making excuses because I've said last week and I said tail end of last season that I don't think Exeter are the side that they were before. But if you look at who they are missing with the Lions, they're missing Karen Dickey, um, Johnny Hill. I don't know why Johnny Gray's not playing. I'm presuming he's, he's injured. Simmons and Hogg. Well, that's a that's a fairly punchy lo- load of players to be missing. Um, but but you're right. Yeah, that Northampton backline is is young and fresh and exciting and is is starting to deliver or continuing to deliver on the promise that they've got. The the, the back five of that Exeter scrum isn't scaring anyone at the moment. No, no, no. Agree. Um, I mean, Kirsten aside, Lonsdale, uh, Tuima, Witty, and who's the other one? Armand. You know, they are they are this like you mentioned. They're the squad players now. They're the they're the, the fill-ins, the gaps when people are away. They're not Ewers, Vermeulen. I mean, you you take out Armand, Witty. Um, Lonsdale and Tuima, and you put in Simmons, Gray, Hill, and Vermeulen, Skinner. Ewers, Skinner. It becomes a, a completely different prospect, doesn't it? What, what's happened to um, the flanker that they got from Gloucester that I really rated? And um, Aaron, mm. uh, you played in ben, Aaron two. Bentley, no. No, Aaron. Oh. It all comes to me. Talk about yourselves. You're you're <laughs> the best. You're the best at it. If there's one thing we know you for, Doug, it's your... Aaron Hinckley. Aaron Hinckley. Aaron yeah. Don't know. He must because be he was the shit, and seems to have just disappeared. Another one. He when 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 he um when he signed for um extra i thought it was the perfect landing spot because he was just this really abrasive um aggressive flanker that was quick it reminds me a lot of um oh my god the bath one looks like an orc underhill underhill <laughs> yeah. looks very, like very, an very underhilly and i thought he i thought he was going to do amazing but I, I can't remember him playing a game for extra at the moment he hasn't he hasn't played a game for him 
I, I find that incredible that he's just wasting away there. I mean, what's he not doing? And why did he go there in the first place? Don't know. It's a great question. It's a question that maybe only Rob Baxter can answer at this point. Um, We've, um, he was premiership. He was play, breakthrough player. Um, won the breakthrough player in the for the in the Premiership Cup in his last season for Gloucester. And you think about the players that have done well in that competition that have then gone on to play in first teams regularly. But it just seems like that that whole extra side just doesn't have any sort of academy progression. That you've got this fullback that looks like it's snapping half. Hodge. Yeah. They got um, him from Newcastle, didn't they? Yeah, but they don't seem to be, you know, considering that they've literally got the whole of the southwest finger of England to to farm players from, which is essentially just two counties of farmers. You'd think they'd be pulling up quite a lot of players, wouldn't you? But All right, and there and there are quite a lot in the squad that are just not necessarily um getting through to get a huge number of of uh, or a huge amount of game time. But then if you if you look back historically at some of their players that are now kind of commonplace, they have come through the academy, like historically. So, yeah. I mean, it does, it does, it's oh, fits and starts and, and, wave, and waves, isn't it? Like you, you, you tend to have, you, you see it a lot in all sports. Like you have gluts of academy talent. Like you have like a real rich crop for two or three years. And then you go through the next two or three years and you don't seem to have, as many, I mean, Exeter bought through, like you think Slade, Cowan Dickey, Noel all came through at the same time. Ewers stick him in that in that category as well. Ben, I just I was just thinking, perhaps the um, pandemic is probably slowing down youngsters coming through as well. Um, they've probably gone eighteen months without playing a game of rugby. Possibly, so, you know. They're, they're probably a bit behind on their development as well. And I, I don't mean just for extra, I mean, for everybody. Yeah. Um, it's a good point. So, you know, that could be a thing as well. I mean, we've almost got a full backline now, haven't we? In the premiership of um, sons of nineties players. Like yeah. Grayson, Slight Home. Ajomo. Red Path. De Glanville. Yeah. Hastings. Yeah. Liner. Oh, what team uh, their dads their old their dads made jesus christ it, it wouldn't be a bad team of, of them either would it yeah fuck me imagine that yeah but uh, uh phil you mentioned uh you mentioned the jomo there max jomo for bath um they've struggled a little bit start of this season ben they lost at home to newcastle on on saturday um again it's a game i'm sure you've caught up with on on replay on the premiership website um, are, are you worried? Are you are you concerned about Bath for this season? No, I can't go down, can they? It's a great, it's a great comment. Um, I mean, it, it, exactly the same as a lot of the other teams. Just on paper, at the moment, they don't look as strong as they have done in the past. And again, as we've said, you've got Lions come back, so you've got Watson to come back. Um, and, you know, uh, Falatau, um, you know, look, you know, Underhill didn't last very long in this game. Um, and again, they've got some good youngsters, you know, the likes of Reed and Bayliss and uh, a few others. But again, 
you just look at that team on paper, you've got a couple of veterans. You know, you'd probably call uh, Rocco Dugini a veteran by now. He's not quite his old self. You've got a few South Africans who haven't really impressed at the moment. Um, Schumann doesn't look very good at all, uh, literally from I the think... minute he set foot on the pitch. Who was that? Schumann. The prop, Schumann. Um, you know, I think they're just at the moment, again, a team in sort of transition. There's not a huge amount to get excited about, but, you know, you, you bring um, Falatau and uh, Watson back into a team and suddenly defences are on their guard again. Um, and obviously they've got Cipriani to come in as well at some stage. So, you know, they're not, I don't think they'll finish bottom, but I, they're, they're not going to be troubling the playoffs either, I don't think. No, in- interesting. Um, a side that we thought would probably be be uh, looking towards the playoffs at the end of the season was Sale, or our Sale, should we say. Um, and for 60 minutes on Sunday, they looked really good, I thought, to a point where I switched over after about 60 minutes on, on Sunday, um, just at the point where London Irish started to come back, which was really good punditry by me um Manu Tuolagi I don't think in all of the the years that I've seen him play rugby I don't think he's looked as lean and as fit as he does right now he looks it's all the walking up hills he's been doing is that what he's been doing is it uphill down dale Well, yeah, because like, do you not remember? Well, he was uh, his wonderful head coach was talking about how how much effort he was putting into getting fit and integrating, and they were talking about how much they were walking up hills. And you know, another podcast took the piss out of that. Uh, sorry, mate, must have missed that bit. But he looks really, really good, and the age-old. Manu Tuolangi conundrum. If you can keep him fit, he will he will be an unbelievable asset to, to an England side. Um, and I wonder by I wonder by being a little bit fitter and a little bit leaner, whether that might aid him in avoiding injury a little bit. Um, I don't know, but he looked he looked brilliant. Um, he looked brilliant on on Saturday for, or sorry, on Sunday for, for well, for sixty odd minutes of what I watched. He'll have, Phil. he'll have torn a pectoral muscle by Halloween. I was just going to say, Phil, talk us through avoiding injury. <laughs> yeah, don't don't try to play rugby. <laughs> um, I I went the other way, Russ. I picked up where you left off, and I watched the second half. And um, I'll be honest, Sale looked incredibly kind of static in defense they were they were not closing gaps not hustling across not shuffling like playing drift defense in the inside man just kind of taking it as an opportunity to have a breather and leaving huge holes on the inside shoulder and it made Irish's job considerably easier and I don't know well I would I'd put that down to a fitness thing as much as anything else um for for some of those those kind of tighter players 
I mean, when you when you build your game around large physicality, there comes a point where mobility starts to suffer a little bit. Um, and Irish just took advantage of it as much as anything else. Yeah, some some really good clinical play for Parton's two tries, but nothing overly exceptionally clever about it. Um, Sean O'Brien came on and was an absolute pest, uh, as you would expect from him. Um, but other than that, there was nothing exceptional. It was just solid clinical play and and Sale leaving holes for them to they, go through. They dropped off a bit of a cliff by yeah. the looks of things when, when McGinty went off injured as far as an attacking threat goes. They the the young the young lad that came off the bench and played 10 not really um not really up to much. No, no, he yeah, he was just a bit uninspiring is the honest answer. Um, didn't see a huge amount of Tuolangi with ball in hand. They were kicking too much of it for for my likings with with not necessarily contestable kicks, um, which doesn't help. But then again, your kicks obviously become less contestable when your, your back row or your, your back five of the pack become knackered and less mobile. Um, and yeah, he didn't. He didn't manage that lead particularly well. He didn't manage the game. Um, whereas, uh, what's his name? The Irish fly half, Paddy Jackson. Uh, Paddy, yeah, Paddy Jackson did a did a pretty all good at job it tonight. Of, yeah, exactly. Did a pretty good job of 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 managing that side of it and kicked his kicks and got him back in it and scored a, a decent draw for him. I think they'll see that very much as a win, Irish. Well, those um, sort of come from behind draws. They did it against Bristol last season, didn't they? In a quite an epic, epic fashion. So they're they're certainly tenacious, London Irish, and they 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 carry on and bring in the likes of Sean O'Brien off the bench, who you know might be advancing in years, but he certainly adds a lot to their team. And he gives that that element of experience and he drags people along with him. And he's got weird levels of farmer strength. He he got given it, it, man of the match, which confuses me. Like he was only on first, the pitch for 20 minutes, wasn't he? Oh, I think I think a little over that, but he got yeah, he got given man of the match. And having not seen the bit when he wasn't on the pitch, that makes you think that it must have been pretty shit. But um having heard everybody raving about um to Alangi, and then they give O'Brien man of the match for, for really not very much time wise. Yeah, I couldn't really get my head around it. Um, he's he's kind of what we're talking about, though, isn't he? He's one of the few players, um, that you could say has got a bit of star power. And although he might be past his best, you know, a, a twenty-minute burst of him is worth it. You know, going to make a lot of difference to to a team like London Irish against a slowing um, yeah. sail back row. Oh, yeah, they had um, Ross in the bin for 10 minutes as well, which didn't help them. Well, there we go. That is the uh, the Premiership Rugby in a nutshell for the weekend. Um, Doug, where are you this weekend? Uh, back at the uh, the Cinch Stadium at Franklin's Gardens. The, is that what it is? That what it is now? The Cinch brutal, Stadium. Absolutely that's, brutal. That's awful. <laughs> oh my days! 
And who yeah. and who are they taking on at the Cinch Stadium at Franklin's Gardens? Uh, London Irish. Fan, two o'clock. Fantastic question. There you go. London Irish. Uh, the big game on Saturday looks like Leicester at home to Saracens, which will be extremely interesting. It's um, weird with these bye weeks, isn't it? Thinking um, would have loved to have seen Saracens actually follow up that performance straight away, but they've had that game and then they've had a, had a week off to sort of think about about it. It's um, yeah, odd. Bristol Bath on Friday night. And then rounded off on Sunday afternoon with Sale versus Exeter. Um, so we'll see if Exeter can uh, can break their 0-2 record. Um, shall we get into some any other business before we go? Uh, can we speak about, uh, just do a quick bit about New Zealand, South Africa? Yes, we can. I, I didn't watch that. it. And um, it, it was uh, pretty pretty tough game to watch South Africa kicked everything New Zealand knocked everything on um, but South Africa were winning with two minutes left and as they had done consistently throughout the game box kicked the ball away to New Zealand who then won a penalty and kicked it from 50 odd metres to win the match I, I just want to say that that could not have happened to a more deserving team. If you don't back yourself to keep keep the ball for what three phases to kill two minutes, three four phases, then you deserve to lose. And just going off of what has happened to South Africa in the last three rounds of this championship, it is an absolute travesty that the Lions lost to them. Mate, we had this it discussion gets worse last with week. every passing performance. It's a travesty because we we basically mirrored exactly what they did and didn't do it as well. Didn't do it as well. I I I will never understand how we lost that series. It's it's insane to me. Um, Baffling. Yeah, Luke Pierce refereed it and refereed it really well. I thought. He's actually that's becoming a very good referee. That's good. One thing I have noticed, and, and it happened at the end of the Gloucester game, and it ha- it started to happen a lot, which might give a little bit of credence to why South Africa kicked it away, is when teams are trying to run down that, that clock in the last minute, two minutes of a game, referees are very hot on sealing off penalties and people going off their feet at, at that time more than at any other time in the game. At that time and when doing pick and drives near the And trial. when doing pick and drive. Yeah. And and it just feels like like if you're a team that's less than a score up with however many minutes to go, are you better off trying to give the ball back to the opposition deep and saying, well, we'll take our chances in defence rather than take the risk of having the ball in hand and give away a penalty when you're trying to keep it really tight, you know, when they just do one out and basically... Well, I, I think no, the apparatus no. is that... I think that the, the apparatus are there to to be able to manipulate that situation now with the 50-22. Yeah. But I the... see how you can't move, move, move a team around and aim to kick to the... to keep possession... It just but, seems to me that South Africa's first thing is, right, we're just going to punt this up in the air, either hope for a knock-on from the fullback or winger or a turnover when we hit him. And New Zealand was just too good for that. 
but these are ignoring the 5022 these are professional sportsmen if they don't know the difference between being on their feet and lying on top of somebody the whole world's gone wrong these these should be the skills that they're that they're practicing week in week out how to if you're going to latch on somebody you have to stay on your feet you can't just drop to your knees because you'll get pinged for it if if there's a ball carrier and you're not latching on them you you secure the ball safely they practice it again and again and again and yet it comes to a match situation and they're just flopping on the floor i i think the referee should referee all breakdowns in that way yeah all the time no i i i agree but it seems that if a team is in possession and trying to see out time nine times out of ten for more than for more than two minutes i reckon the, they will invariably concede a penalty, and it and it happens a lot. Yeah, you're right, and it's and it's really, yeah, not, not good enough. And is it poor? Is it poor? Is it then poor game management by the team? Is it the referee being more officious because they know that the team is trying to run down the clock and just go phase, 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 so that they're they're trying to stop that actively stop that from happening yeah maybe how do you know the ref you know the referees could be given a director that says we don't want teams for the last three minutes of a game just going one out pick and go and killing the game so well but if it's the directive then who make the directives are wrong because well no, no I, I agree and it probably isn't less, you, less you don't one, know, how many how many games by doing it for 10 minutes at a time at the end of rugby matches so yeah and staying think, on their feet when doing it I, I think if you you get a lot of rucks in that time don't you and I think if you if you totted up that amount of rucks over you know a slightly longer period of play if if it was if the ball was being taken more than one pass away from a ruck, you probably would find there'd be a penalty in that amount of rucks, usually um, in open play anyway. Going by law, but, of, aver- law of average rucks. Yeah, yeah. But um, also, I do think referees are mo- more willing to cut you a bit of slack if... Being positive. Yeah, if you're trying to do something and, and you're trying to play the ball. Um you know, it's when someone's doing something to stop the ball coming out or to stop a competition that they do crack down on it. So it's probably um, a mixture of of numbers, the, the referee's mindset, and you know, I'm sure there is some kind of, if not a directive, maybe a, a sort of unspoken you know unspoken agreement with the referees that they they'll keep an eye on it of course in that situation there's not much else to keep your eye on yeah there almost certainly is is a directive about people arriving on their feet yeah um and well there's more more than a a directive isn't it isn't it a law yeah Yeah. but but, but there's a but there's a directive for them to pay more attention on it. And there's a law about putting the ball into a scrum straight, but there's no directive about keeping an eye on that. But similarly, there were directives about directions of hands when passing the ball. You would back most back lines to be able to pass the ball around amongst themselves with every pass going backwards for 90 seconds or for two minutes or three minutes or however long. That's the level of skill that, that you're asking for. And I just think it's... I think it's a 
it's a it's a failure of coaching that so many penalties are given for sealing off at the moment because you know the referees are looking for it and literally it's a matter of sta- standing on your feet that's all it is and and I, like i said a, a second ago the referee hasn't got anything else to look out for because he's only looking at that you know at the breakdown there's no there's no real um, imperative to look at the backs for being offside or anything to do with a kick because he, he knows exactly what's going to happen. They're just going to pass the ball once and fall over. Yeah. And, and quite, and I think quite, that's often, half- quite often, yeah, quite often the player is falling over behind the game line. So the attacking team is coming, uh, sorry, the defending team is coming forward slightly, which probably again paints a picture that they're in the right well and i think that's half the problem is the players falling over i think if they if they took it into contact in a positive way it makes everybody's life a lot easier maybe just continue the positivity rather than rather than looking to just go and create a ruck take it into contact as you normally would it's no it's no different than a football team knocking the ball around amongst themselves for the last couple of minutes. You've got to be able to, if you've, if you've earned the right to be in a position where you can kill the game, then you should be allowed to do it. That's, that's why you score points so that you can control the game at the end. Yeah. I don't think it's negative. It, it's well, um, So let me, let me take you to Veal this Saturday. Um, about two and a half minutes from the end of the game, Viora seven points up, give away a penalty on the halfway line, gets kicked to touch. Um, then uh, Nuki line out, lost the line out. There was a knock on in there somewhere. So it ends up being a Veal scrum 10 metres out on the 15 metre line. Their captain goes to the ref, how long, how long left? And he goes a minute and 15 seconds. They win the scrum. Um, bit of a challenge on the scrum, but they win the scrum. Pass the ball out to the 10, who decides the right thing to do is to put a bomb up with about 50 seconds left. <laughs> what an egg. Um, and to be fair, it was in the air for about 20 seconds. It was, it, it's the highest kick I've ever seen. Obviously landed in the middle of nowhere, took a sideways bounce, got caught by the um, Hornets flanker, who ran outside their outside centre, got tackled by the fullback, offloaded it to the Hornets outside centre, one-on-one with a winger, put a little dink through, dived on, on, scores the try, kicks over, game's drawn. Because he's decided to boot the ball rather than actually doing something positive with it. Um, So exactly the same as what you're saying, Doug, about what happened to South Africa. If you can't look after the ball for 90 seconds, you don't deserve to win. Agreed. There you go. That's a that's a uh, a good place to to finish the rugby chat. I think. Um, any other business, um, Doug? I'm not going to come to you first because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> so Ben, why don't you go first? Um, can these uh, rugby sites with a Facebook presence please find some new material? <laughs> oh, if they, I, can, if, they can do both you know they can play rugby and look pretty in dresses ah oh, mate if i see that uh the difference between football and rugby is the six foot seven south african second row saying yes sir one more time 
I I don't know what I'm gonna do. Probably <laughs> just go. Probably just go. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Do some really aggressive huffing. You're fired because you keep doing this. <laughs> Phil. I don't. Um, so I had a little vent in my any other business last week. <laughs> a little uh, vent. A little vent about um, parents complaining about timekeeping. Um, and I might have narrowed it down now to, to so, who it is. So um, this week we're complaining about compa- parents complaining about you complaining about No, 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 no. <laughs> um, and I got a, a WhatsApp message from one of the parents who I didn't know listened and I'm not sure is a regular listener. Um, so, which means that I, I probably ought to be a little bit more careful about nah. what I say. It's not, <laughs> not going to happen. Um, but what I found most humorous was the text of the message he sent me, um, which was, ooh, someone's a bit touchy on Ben's podcast. <laughs> ben, are you going around telling people this is your shit? Look, class just shines through, mate. And um, I, th- I think we all know the... Uh... That we've got none. I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly. Sorry, I've sorry. The, the I'm most gonna... least. I'm going to have to compute this. Ben's fucking podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, no, Ben's fucking podcast. That's the one he does on a Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of listeners, if I'm honest. Oh, I'm never going to use him. Legover. Legover podcast. Do you get many guests on that? (laughs) Yeah, he does, but they're sex people then. They're sex people, (laughs) Phil. (laughs) No way, you spastic. You're a mentalist. You can't say that word anymore. I just just did, mate. Anyway. Uh, Doug, any other business? Um, Yep. Obviously, there's the fuel stuff. You know, makes my teeth itch, whatever. Um. I'm sure that that'll come up on long snapper. And if we did a long leg, it'll be there. And people will be moaning about you. You've all seen the memes. Um, for a minute there, it's touch and go whether I'll get to work this week. But um, a TV recommendation. If you've got Netflix, there's a Korean show called Squid Game. Can I ask about is, this Squid Game? Um, because yeah. my, my 12-year-old daughter came home from Do school Do not today. let your 12-year-old daughter watch that. <laughs> she said can i watch squid game no dougie <laughs> said <No>. it's good <laughs> <laughs> really, Contain- really not contains adult material <laughs> just do not let your 12 year old watch squid game okay size that enough fair yeah. enough but um if you're over 18 and you're like uh you watch the first episode and you, you think, oh, okay, I know what's going to happen here. We've got, what is it, eight episodes left? Eight, eight after that, I think. And then second episode comes, and you're like, huh, didn't expect that. And then the third episode comes and you're like, okay, now I'm ready to go. So is it badly dubbed Korean into English? If you're watching foreign programs dubbed in English, you're doing it wrong. Just watch with the subtitles. Fuck off. I don't watch telly to read. 
Right, don't. You're such a luddite, man. You're such a dick. Why would, why in God's name would I want to watch telly and read at the same time? No, thanks. You're such an idiot. I'm I an idiot. Know, I don't just... know why I'm mates with you. You're such a prick. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I could just see Russ, like, watching a film and it just comes up and goes like, London, 1972. Yeah. And he just like throws his popcorn at the screen <laughs> and storms out. I didn't come here for fucking captions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. A, I don't mind a caption. Full on subtitles where I've got to follow tell you it what, and read it. Don't let him watch the end of a football match when they put the league table up. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Tables will be flipped. Well, he's a Spurs fan. Definitely don't let him look he's at got the league the, table. They put the score in the top corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have with Tottenham. That's a fact. Russ, do me a favour. I'm not what, doing it. What's the number? Do, just numbers on the back. Do you remember of when we had this conversation, Russ, about the NFL? Now look at you. You're going on podcast thinking you're the man. I don't go anywhere thinking I'm anything. <laughs> fine. Apart from a giant egg. Um, <laughs> um, seriously, just watch the first episode. Because in actual fact, there isn't a lot of talking in it. I mean, that strikes me as even worse. Is it mime? Yeah. Russ, like the only thing, if, worse, if, the only thing that's worse I, than movies with subtitles Russ, is silent I movies. If I ever, ever, ever had a TV recommendation that was up your street, it would be this. Please just give me, give me the satisfaction of watching the first episode. All right. I'll watch the first episode. I will watch it. Okay. Good. With... Not sub- with subtitles. Good. There you go. I'll, I'll, I'll I feel ask. like I've made a breakthrough there. Oh, you will. I mean, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, my only other business is um, I didn't really have anything, but what I will say is uh, we have some of our first donations on our just giving page. Um, and I want to personally thank both Ben Bacon and Duncan Keane for your very generous uh, donations. And it was, uh, it's really quite unbelievable Seconded. what you've, what you've even put in already. So thank you to you both so much. Um, and we will share the links and we will keep sort of banging on about this now for a few weeks till we raise some money for, for rugby against cancer. So Thank you to Ben and to Duncan, who are long-term friends and listeners of the podcast and supporters of what we do. We don't always agree on everything we talk about, which is great, um, but they always support us. So thank you very, very much for everything that you do. Um, That's it. Next week, next Monday, hopefully we'll all be back. Um, Adam will be here to do a rugby related quiz in the lead up to the all over invitational um, written by guy who I hope is recovering well from his operation. I've not um, heard how he's getting on. So hopefully if, if you're still listening to this guy, let's know you're getting on. And if you're going to make it to Cornwall, hopefully you're, uh, you're resting up. Hopefully, you <laughs> thought you were just going to say, if you're going to make it, you're just going to make <laughs> yeah. it. If you're going to make it, you know, <laughs> If he was a real man, he wouldn't have ruled out a uh, a short appearance. 
Well, what what you said? You're going to compare your your injury to Guy's injury, Phil? Not in any way, shape, or form. No. Sounds like you are, Phil. It does sound like you are, and you're questioning his manhood. Not the injuries, just just the response to them. Wow, um, I'm sure. I want to see you know. there with boots on, Guy. Sounds like you're questioning it, mate. It really, really does. Um, so yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't know what is in this quiz at all. And it could be majorly embarrassing for all of us and our lack of overall could rugby be. knowledge. Um, but it'll be fun nonetheless. So hopefully Adam well, will be here next week to do that for us. Just keep answering Sir Alistair Cook and you'll get points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's going to be an arbitrary point scoring system um, a la punching chat for this. But uh, yeah, we'll see. And uh, But then we'll be back next week. Um, and then literally there's one more podcast before the uh, Mallover Invitational, which is really quite exciting. So uh, I'm starting to get nervous, to be honest. What are you nervous about, mate? Well, I'm shit at rugby, so... <laughs> I mean, you can't, be, you can't be as nervous as I am. The fact that you can I'm pick four... the ball up at the back of a ruck or a scrum, uh, but you've got to pass the ball to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that. I'm 42 years old, pushing, you know... My, my body's a wreck. Uh, I haven't had a drink for nearly three weeks. I will change that. Yeah, a bit. I haven't had a hangover in over a year. Yeah, we'll change um, that. And I'm, I'm a, you know, there's several things that I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that the shirts are going to be too tight. That's a really big concern. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I mean, a f- funny story to, to end on. I went out on Saturday for the first time in quite a while myself since... Uh, you know, um, lost a bit of bit of Terry Timber. I don't know whether I mentioned that. Um, and I watched the, the I watched the boxing, and I got the last bus back to Fradden, um, and definitely didn't puke over myself on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> on the bus. On the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't do that. <laughs> And <laughs> were um, you asleep when you did it? No, I wasn't asleep. I was awake, but I, I was, there was a, there was a few people on the bus and I had to, I was kind of leaning over and I was like kind of <laughs> using my, the crease of my elbow in a, uh, like to try and disguise what was going on. Um, trying not to make a mess, trying to swallow it at the same time, but oh, you know, and I didn't even, so and you know, and you know, what's weird about it is that I didn't even, I didn't feel horrific. I didn't feel like I was going to be sick. But I start. I, I was like, I had that little urge, and then once once it started, it was just like you just can't stop. And I, I just I was so ashamed. So I You're got embarrassment. I got in like a oh, poor bus driver. I mean, I was the last person on the bus, and I kind of skulked off. Um, <laughs> and he must have known. He would have known. Right. <laughs> And, and you're and, on a bus by yourself, Chandra. No, 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 no. I'd I'd stopped. I'd stopped being sick by the time I was the last person on the bus. Um, but I uh, I then got off the bus. But then obviously he's got to go to his destination, and then I guess he's got to clean the bus. He's got to check it all over. And I just Tracy tra- said I've disgraced myself. Um, and I, She's I right. could be blacklisted Ooh. from future bus travel. But who knows? So yeah, puked up on myself on the bus. And uh, there's the title of this week's podcast, Puked on a Bus. Yep.
Last bus to Fradden, surely. Yeah, well, I definitely puked on it as well. <laughs> so, so poor from me. Which bodes really well for next weekend, doesn't it? Oh, mate. I, I think I, I think there's a high probability that I'll be sick. That's, you know, it's what it is, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> right, that's that's the end of this week's podcast. We will see you all uh, for the podcast next week and then for the Mallover Invitational in less than two weeks. Go yeah, well. are we having a trophy for that? Well, I, I we can discuss trophies. I think that's probably right, isn't it? Yeah. Right and Go, proper. go well. Podcast Network.